1: Listen in the Militantly
0: Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Hohokam, and Yucateco Maya people, and we wish to pay our respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Konishi, what's up, cousins? Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your Sir Auntie, Charmaine Fury, aka The Blasian Blurred, and this is episode 208. Uh, I just want to put out a little disclaimer at the beginning here. I'm still about two weeks away until I get settled into my new house and my new studio space, and I'm dealing with a broken mic situation at the moment, so I am just using the microphone attached to my computer which is not personally ideal, but still fine. So bear with me. If my sound isn't studio fresh, like I would like it to be, it will be in a couple weeks. I'll get it back. But for now, I'm working with what I got. So I just appreciate some patience with it. No one's complaining about it except for me. Uh, but I still feel like, you know, I want to produce a good quality product and I'm not feeling as good a quality product at the moment because of my microphone and studio space situation. But I'm only two weeks away from it, so it'll get better. It'll get better soon. I also hit you with a double trouble last week. I dropped such a fun episode with the Mixed Race Mama, a.k.a. Riam Ayakur. Uh, she and I had such a fun chat. Uh, she's got the best Mixed Race bestie energy. Really bubbly, can really get into the big topics of mixedness but still have such a positive slant to the discussion. I really enjoyed talking to her. I enjoyed talking to her so much, and also we were interrupted because I was getting services at my new house set up so many times that our conversation ended up being really long. It was easy to get distracted despite the fact that we did kind of stay on target most of the thing. But I realized during editing that I failed to ask the question that I ask everybody. What do you love most about being mixed? And I was so disappointed in myself because in four plus years, I have not forgotten, to the best of my knowledge, I have not forgotten to ask that question of any guest since I think about 11, episode 11 might have been when I started doing it. So I was really disappointed in myself and I hit her up an email and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot to ask you this question. And then I said that down the road, you and I should do an IG live together. And when we do that, I make sure that I'll ask that question next time. Um, mostly because we're both content creators in the mixed space. And it's good for us to be able to do IG lives together. I think it'll be fun. And both of our audiences can learn about the other person's content. And it'll be a cool thing. Well, she was so gully. She was like, why don't we do it this week? And I was like, dope, let's do it this week. And so last Friday... At 11 a.m. my time here in Mexico and 6 p.m. her time in England, uh, we got together and did IG Live, and we had another blast, another good conversation. It, It went by way too quickly. We had a lot of interaction from the audience, which was fun. A lot of comments and and questions and stuff like that. Uh, So it really kept us both entertained while we were sitting there chatting and educating and everything like that. It was a lot of fun. I think you should probably expect more content between Mixed Race Mama and Militantly Mixed because we just really enjoyed each other's company, and I love her Mixed Race bestie energy. I'm hoping y'all will head on over to Instagram and follow Mixed Race Mama And check out all our content and then also follow the Mixed Race Mama, the podcast, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to Militantly Mix on. She's dope. She does dope work. Check her out. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, I do also want to remind you that we are currently fundraising for the Be Your Mixed Self Anthology, the publication fees. Uh, Because we are going the self-publishing route, there's some setup fees that we need to get going. Once we get that going everything will start to fall in place. And Auntie Teresa and I are in the process of finishing up reading and reviewing um, the pieces that were submitted for the anthology. When we get through that, that should be done somewhat shortly in the relative near future. Once we get into that, we start the setup with the produ- uh, publisher where we are mapping out and ironing out what what's going where in the book. And once that's done we will start to head into publishing. So this is all something that will be happening over the course of the next couple months so that hopefully we can release the book near the end of the summer or early fall. To help us get there, we just need to raise a little bit more money to get started. And uh, we did get a lot of attention over the last week. Uh, We are currently at about uh, $335, I think it was, the last time I checked. Um, So shout out to Auntie Teresa for sharing on the Mix Auntie Confidential blog, mixaunticonfidential.substack.com, uh, about the anthology and about the fundraiser, because I think that's probably where we got the bulk of the donations from, although I did notice a couple came through from militantly mixed listeners that interact a lot on our social media. So shout-out to everybody who um, have supported us so far, and just know that the the production fees that are being raised or the fees that are being raised are going into the production of this first 2023 Be Your Mix As Self anthology for Militantly Mix, which I'm very excited about. Um, I cannot wait to share with you what I've read so far, what, what Teresa and I have been able to talk about so far. Uh, we're both very excited about, so can't wait to share with you all. And I think that's all my little announcement. So let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Uh, this was a longer conversation as well. I actually did have to cut some time out of it. I, I need to be a responsible podcaster and keep on schedule. But you know, sometimes I get to gabbin. And if my guest is also a fellow gabber, it's gonna it's gonna take some time. Uh, so I did I did have to shorten this episode a little bit for time. Um, but still stayed on on track with uh, really good topics. My guest today is Brianna, the Blood Witch. She is a multi generational mixed person. Um, in similar to me, I'm always excited to talk to uh, MGMs. But each generation back also identified as mixed. So her parents identify as mixed. Her grandparents identified as mixed, and there is acknowledged mixedness uh, further back in their ancestral line. Um, And that's the first time that I've talked to someone who their multi-generations of mixedness identified that way as well, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Her story is unlike many that I've heard so far uh, in the way she was educated and the way her identity was taught to her back in childhood versus the identity she has come to and discovered on her own as an adult. Um, She's also recently, or I don't know how recent, I guess, um, she was raised Catholic as a child, but has transitioned into um, spiritual practices that include blood magic. And so we talk a little bit about that, but we mostly just talk about mixedness and and her experience in life in general and things like that. Um, I just want to put it out there that I... I think y'all are familiar about this with me, but I don't know if I've necessarily been explicit about this with uh, the audience versus my guests. Because I am myself an atheist, I I do not have a belief in any deity, um, and I don't participate in any spiritual practices, that when my guests share about their religion or their spiritual practices, um, I always say, if it's part of your story, it's part of your story, so you talk about it. But what I don't share is people's individual institutions. So like, come on down to my temple on the corner of such and such and such and such is usually what I don't include. In the case of Brianna, she is she has a practice that she does invite people to participate in. And so in, in part of her discussion and sharing, she is also sharing that that is her platform, which I find to be a little bit different than necessarily saying like, come on down to my church on the corner of such and such and such and such, which is the part that I usually do not include. Um, So in saying all this, I'm I'm not endorsing anybody's particular religion or spiritual belief. I'm sharing the stories of the people who have agreed to be a guest on my show. So if you are curious more about what Brianna practices, uh, she does share her social media. She's going to be tagged in all the social media posts related to this episode, um, and you can look into it that way if you choose to. And I think that's it. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the militantly Mixed family, Brianna the Blood Witch. (laughs) joined by
1: Brianna hello everyone my name is Brianna I go by Brianna the blood witch um I am I used to say mixed as marble cake because it is (laughs) not just one of my parents who are white or black both my parents are also mixed and both their parents are also mixed and it goes back pretty far yeah it goes back pretty far on my dad's side um, that We have Scottish, African-American, and Native American. And then on my mom's side, we have West Indian, specifically from Grenada, Portuguese, okay. and African-American.
0: Mm.
1: I am also an MGM. I love meeting other MGMs because... I forgot the Hebrew on my dad's side too. The, oh, yeah. I always forget <laughs> about them. <but.
0: laughs> you, have, you have less access to it. Is that why?
1: Yeah. Um, it's a it's a weird stitch with my dad's side of the family. There's just like a lot of people who just like like either we don't talk to them or they mm-hmm. fell off um his father is african-american and his mother was jewish mm. and so my dad's dad wasn't in his life and so it was really mm, like he didn't know him for until he was 30 mm. and so it was a very long time before he even knew that he was jewish i remember he walked up to me one day and he was like by the way uh we have jewish blood and i was like okay cool <laughs> okay
0: so <laughs> i mean that that, in. that that's a good part uh, that's actually a good conversation that only happens a few times on this show and i i kind of feel like we need to talk about it more it's the difference between like what your ethnicities are mm-hmm. and what your cultures are mm-hmm. and what determines how you decide you are identifying because like with my, in my case, I always explain what I'm ethnically mixed with. And then I explain what I identify as 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 separate things. So like my mm-hmm. ethnic mix is Black, Japanese, Welsh and English. And mm-hmm. I say Appalachian white because I, I have a but even the Appalachian white people were English before they were Appalachian. Yeah. Um, so that's what's there what I had access to was a British grandmother, a Japanese grandmother and a black family in a black mm-hmm. neighborhood. So I hierarchically identify as black, then Japanese, then British. And I say mm-hmm. British versus English, to be clear that what I'm talking about is someone from the UK is the person that yeah. was here who, who is a monarchist and the whole thing. Um, <laughs> And uh and so like I, you know, I describe like here's how I mix ethnically, here's how I culturally identify, how I politically identify as black, though, the way I vote, mm-hmm. I vote as a black voter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So your identity can be all kinds of things. So if oh, it's not like, natural yeah. for you to say like it's part of your identity, mm-hmm. then even just changing the sentence a little bit to like mm-hmm. uh, ethnically I'm this, but I don't I don't know those people, so <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I identify. Yeah that's really
1: that's so interesting that you bring that up because um we we were talking a little bit before we started and I kind of grew up in this weird bubble of being homeschooled and Catholic that's the way Mm. I was raised and so we were we weren't taught about race in the same way that people who grew up in the public school system were forced to face it Mm -hmm. um I grew up with my brothers. They were my classmates, basically. And I remember I asked my dad, I was like, "Are what are we? Are we black or white?" And he was like, "You're mixed." And I was like, "That doesn't answer my question." Like I still need more. <laughs> exactly. It did not answer my question, and I didn't feel satisfied satisfied with that for a really long time. But um, I s- soon learned to like find pride within it. But going back to like that bubble, like we didn't identify as black mostly, or black, white mostly like it was like we were we weren't just taught to be like humans of course there was still like stigma that like came against my family or whatever but it was perceived much differently than like if we would have identified as a black family yeah right we, they all look like me they all have like <laughs> my dad calls us uh what's it called Bayesians <laughs> <Beige. laughs>
0: that's pretty funny uh so, <laughs> but with with you being homeschooled Catholic Mm -hmm. and beige, I guess, um, (laughs) did you have other people around? Like, were there people that you interacted with? That is such a great question. So for the
1: most of my life, I grew up in like a small town called Polly's Island, South Carolina. And there's like Hispanic, African-American and white. That is basically it. And so people were always trying to, and even still, try to put me and my brothers and my whole family into this box of are you more white or are you more black Oh, is your grandfather black oh that means you're black is your grandmother white that means you're white like it was just it was a changing
0: story and like it was so dumb for me it's it's it has more to do with like how you yourself decide you identify I mean my sibling and I do not identify ethnically like We have the same ethnic mix, but Mm -hmm. the way we identify culturally is completely different. Who we align to is completely different. We grew up in the same household, same values, same thing. But we wouldn't tell the same story if we Mm -hmm. described what our races were. We wouldn't be able to do that. In your case, if you grew up, again, you said like, you know, small town. You understood the difference between black or white enough to ask the question,
1: but not enough
0: to get like... A confident like identity as a kid
1: yeah hell no okay. no it was so weird okay. <laughs> to feel like like at that point in time I was probably eight years old when I had asked that question and at that point in time when I had asked am I black or white and got the answer of you're mixed mm-hmm. it felt like they were saying you're nothing and that was really hard to digest and oh, swallow and
0: like interesting break
1: down as a small child and mm-hmm. I think that definitely carried into like my teenage years I'm 23 now and like I'm so I'm so proud of like who I am as like a being and Mm -hmm. how I identify and like my ethnic makeup and like everything that makes up me. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud of all of that. And I'm so proud of how far I've come from that too. But um I want to talk more about like what it was like to grow up within like as a mixed individual in the Catholic Church, because Mm -hmm. Catholicism, especially in the South, is majorly white and Mm -hmm. so it was like where are the people who look like me and there were never any people that looked like me it was so hard to like have a role model I never really Mm -hmm. had anybody to look up to and it was just like I kind of gravitated more towards the black community at least the little niche that like I was for lack of a better word allowed to see just because I was like homeschooled and I really didn't I don't want to say I didn't get out much, but I really didn't (laughs) go outside of my little family. Like for for majority of my life, I was at home doing schoolwork, running errands with my mom and going to church. And that was Mm -hmm. my life.
0: And so it was really- That makes sense. Uh, Homeschooling has shifted like lately where people do more community-based homeschooling, but back, you know, in I guess your time, but my time also- the homeschool kids especially if a homeschool kid came to public school after being homeschooled for a while you're mm-hmm. like man that kid does not know how to integrate like they just you know they didn't they weren't around other kids besides yeah, their definitely. siblings if they had them so they didn't yeah. know how to just jump in with yeah
1: them. so it's interesting you bring that up because in in eighth grade I was put into public school and it was like it was the idea of public school was used as like a threat so there was this like elitism that came with being catholic and thinking that you were right all the time and this like specialness that we found in being catholic and also that we pretended to have with being mixed but it really wasn't there and then on top of that also being homeschooled being taught the truth (laughs) and we had our school we our schooling was heavily incorporated the bible and so every i remember when i was a kid we would like read the bible and that would be our history and it was just so crazy to like think about that now and so when i was put into public school there was this like huge like turnaround of like hmm, maybe things aren't the way i was always taught it was i don't want to compare it to living in a cult because every religion is different but it definitely was like our way or the highway and that went with math, science, everything. So yeah, th- being homeschooled, we were taught that like public school was like a threat. Like it was not something that you wanted. It was where the dumb kids went. It was where mm. bad food was. It was just like they used it as like something to push us to do better in our own homeschooling. Interesting. And they heavily incorporated Catholicism and the Bible into our history lessons and into everything. Yikes. (laughs) It was definitely a huge turnaround to now not only call myself a witch, but also a blood witch. And I love that I'm a blood witch. And that for me is like a dual meaning in the way that I do blood magic. And I do teach safety around blood magic. And I want to release the stigma around it. However, I understand it's not for everybody. I do also work with the bloodline. And for me that work means working with the ancestors.
0: Ancestry, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that has been really where I've gotten a lot of my power and the the feelings of confidently showing up as Brianna as whatever that means and owning mm. my
0: whole identity. So the not knowing, I guess um the I imagine the practice or idea of blood magic is different depending on what cultures people are coming from. So with what you have tapped into, are you experiencing it? I mean, it's also probably complicated because you're mixed as well. Like, are you experiencing say the bloodline or its ancestral practices, getting you closer to any of your identity? Like with the
1: blood magic specifically or um, the like working with the
0: ancestors? I guess just the practice itself that gets you into all what you're, what you're into. Are you, are you feeling like it is, well, I guess I'll I'll put it I'll backtrack it a little bit. So when you read, when you filled out the form for the thing, Mm -hmm. you, you had said, you did make this statement of, of soaring. Like uh, when I asked the question, like, how do you identify? And you're like, I'm still trying to figure that out, you know, and kind of on the verge of, um, you know, the not enough for, black, not enough for white not enough for uh-huh. white, which i I do always try to pause people when they're when they say they're not enough of because i I, I want people to realize like you're responding to the external what do you, what is it like for you so mm-hmm. with that in mind with you already coming in as sort of like um you don't you hadn't really fit before and now that we have more of the context too of like you being homeschooled and growing up Catholic and stuff like that 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 seems to be more of the you not fitting quote unquote in because you didn't actually get to interact with the different groups. Exactly. Yeah. So with that being the context, get and you now getting into um ancestry work and and blood magic, are you tapping into I guess your cultural heritage is? Oh, well, hell yes.
1: Okay, that's I love that it. question. So, much. Yes. <laughs> so I got there. We got there. Yeah. I it's so interesting because just about Every ancestor that I've seen in blood shadow work meditation, that's something that I've created. I noticed that I kept running into ancestors and I created this idea of blood shadow work. Shadow work has existed for for a very long time. It was an idea started by Carl Jung. It's really great if you want to try it. I started blood shadow work to really connect with mostly, if not only, the ancestors. And a lot of the ancestors that I run into are african-american so i do feel more connected to that like side of me because i felt like i was kind of missing that Mm -hmm. and on top of um being in like that you're you're only mixed don't think about anything else bubble (laughs) i was like also kind of like we were the side of the family that like didn't show up to events that like Mm -hmm. what happened to you know what i mean like we were that side of the family and it was really It was really because of my dad. He was a very abusive individual and he wanted to intentionally or unintentionally isolate us. And Mm -hmm. so he would have more control over us. And so when that happened, exactly. And so when that happened, it like, we stopped going to family gatherings as much. Mm -hmm. We weren't allowed to see grandma, which was the only person who lived in the same city as us. Everyone else lived Mm. up in New York. Mm. And so like, we hadn't seen our family for like years and years and years and it's really interesting because only recently i've been building up this relationship with my grandmother who ironically my dad used to call a witch (laughs) and i wasn't allowed to see her or even spend nights over at her house because he thought i was gonna learn spells from her and ironically i don't i didn't learn any spells from her i learned them on my own so i think that's hilarious
0: it's it's interesting. You said something about being isolated mm-hmm. from, from your family and things like that. That is actually a pretty common thing that happens in which we were talking off air about my feelings about organized religion. I also was raised in a situation where a, an abusive parent became, in my case, became a Christian later in my childhood. And um, by that point, because religion wasn't a part of my upbringing up until then, I I wasn't indoctrinated early enough. It never took for me. I, I, I was, Mm -hmm. I was well established in my lack of belief, I guess, by the time my, my dad became um, but it it like accentuated the abuse and it also the control. That was also the period of time in which I started getting further and further away from being able to access family too. So as you're like, you're being more isolated from your family, Mm -hmm. your grandmother being one of those people, Grandmothers are where we get our culture from less Mm -hmm. less. So and I've recently read this. And now now that I've read it, I, I haven't been able to separate myself from this thought at all. The way that I can attach to the cultures that I'm a part of is because I had the grandmothers present in my life when I had them. When I had them, I ended up losing a chunk of time with both of them, and and to be fair, one of them is really quite mean, and I don't, I didn't enjoy her much as a person. My British grandmother, Um, but I'm very close; like I really love my Japanese grandmother, but I don't have access to her and stuff like that. And that stop of like access to culture and access to the history, the family, mm-hmm. you know, what little they can share, what uh, from the time period that they exist is so important. And I imagine your identity was very much impacted by the fact that it was stunted. Exactly. You didn't have access to her.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And she was the only living grandparent. I she is the only living grandparent. I had my grandmother, my mom's mother, she passed away when my mother was nine. And then yeah. my grandfather died when I was four. So I really didn't know. And I still yeah. don't really know that side of the family that well. Yeah. And it's actually really interesting because in Shatterick, blood Shatterick meditation, I have been able to talk with that side of the family. I've talked and healed my mom's mother and worked with my grandfather as like a spirit guide. And it's really interesting. Um, I, when I was very young, I, wasn't motivated, again, because I didn't have this this sense of identity. I Mm -hmm. didn't have a bigger purpose, because I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. And so I was in track and field, and I hated it. I hated running. I still don't like exercise, but I do it now because I know it's good for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was doing track and field, and I was running, and I was like, going to collapse because I was just so unfit and out of shape and burnt out. And then I saw this beautiful cardinal swoop in front of me and I called it my guardian angel because immediately I got like a second wind. And as I've been seeing that more and more, like at the beginning of my spiritual journey, I would see cardinals everywhere. And I was like, I'm going to look this up because this is not something that is just happening. And so I looked into it and specifically around Christmas time, when you see a cardinal, it's supposed to be a symbol for a family member watching over you. And I was like, mm. oh, that's grandpa. And so even just today I saw a cardinal and I was like, oh, hey, grandpa. And so like, it just like feels so much more connected to like that side of the family mm. through my spiritual practice, through what I do. But um, yeah, my it was really weird to like not have a grandmother in my life, not to hear stories. Like the stories that I remember are really sporadic and I Almost would say I know more about my mom's side of the family just through her and her retelling than my dad's side of the family. I don't really know too much. I wasn't at family gatherings. I mm. wasn't hearing stories that happened before I was born. I really wasn't there. And it's really interesting to reconnect with my grandmother because because my grandmother was cut off for so long, she's just so loving and excited to reconnect mm. with me and like, grow and, get to know me as yeah Brianna an adult yeah and so she is like the only one in my like blood family who accepts me for who I am and loves me for who I am and what I do and is excited to hear about what I do and I just mm. I feel like it's just like I don't know it feels like we're going F you
0: dead <laughs> every <laughs> single time we talk are you getting are you getting access to stories from her now? Oh, yeah, that definitely. You're connected to something that so too? nice. Like, has it shifted the way you feel like you kind of understand your mixedness a little bit better? Yeah. Because I know so, you're still in the I'm figuring it out phase. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As part yeah. So of it. So I feel like it definitely has been helpful because not only is she supporting me and loving me for what I do and what I am, mm-hmm. she also is like connecting it to like, like I was telling her about this ancestor that I work with very frequently called Juliana. And Juliana has this lovely wavy gray hair and this dark black skin. And she was like, my grandmother had told me about how she had someone like an aunt on her mom's side who had a very similar description. And I was like, that's crazy. And I don't know, it just kind of reaffirmed like that what I was seeing not was real but like genetically made sense you know what I mean mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. it, it's just like all coming together is this beautiful
0: puzzle and like clasping so when when you had mentioned that you you're not really sure where you fit in you weren't getting that in the way that I guess I've heard a bunch on this show is like where literally the kids around you were the ones sort of telling you you don't fit it's just literally you were given no access very little information mm. and no context to kind of place who you were but just from what you saw I guess maybe outside in society you understood mm. there was a division between black and white and I yeah, guess Mexican definitely. too probably were yeah in your definitely particular. do you recall when you started to feel more aware of yourself as a as a mixed person not just because your dad told you we're mixed but like
1: yeah so that's a very because it happened around the same time that I had asked the question what are we mm. so i was pretty young when i had seen the infinite series called roots and mm. we had watched the entire series it was like a history lesson for us and it was really interesting and i remember seeing the part of the series where one of uh One of the director's ancestors, he had been, he was mixed. And I I don't want to mess up the words on it, retelling Roots, because everybody who knows Roots can be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. (laughs)
0: um, Are you talking about like the theatrical version of it or like a documentary type of thing? The the movies. Okay, okay. So
1: in one of the movies, um, I remember the, one of the, ancestors to the person who wrote the books Kizzy she had gotten sexually harassed and pregnant and so by her owner the plantation owner and i i was just really weird to see and i was really young then i saw that and so it was just like comprehending that and then seeing how the son had reacted when that when he had found out how he came into this life mm-hmm. I just wanted to understand this dichotomy, this dichotomy of white and other because mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me why someone would be like I own you because you because of your skin color or yeah and it yeah. just didn't make sense to me and so like that I think they would showed it to us to answer questions and it just raised it's more and made more, me right?
0: confused yeah One question that I feel like I still don't get an answer to no matter what, and that's a good illustration with with Kizzy and Chicken George, is like, how how do you rape a person and then that person gives birth to your child Mm -hmm. and you own your child versus this is my child and you don't treat that child. That is part you like they are your child and given how much that happened during enslavement it baffles me that like where are the stories where someone acknowledged that these were their children and actually treated them like an equal child to their white Mm -hmm. children you know like why was it so easy for them just because of skin color because Mm -hmm. if that's the case it's very strange that we even exist now as mixed people because our parents seem to figure out how to view us as their children you know even our abusive parents seem to figure out how to view us as their children but there seems to be this period of time in history where you could have a child and not view it as your child but actually view it as property and I've Mm -hmm. never been able to reconcile what the evilness of that to me Mm -hmm. I I can't I can't figure out what you have to do to be that disconnected
1: Mm -hmm. and I think like you said disconnected like you have to break away from a part of yourself that has this love, empathy, and humanity in order to do mm-hmm. that. And I think that, I think that is still persisting today, not to the same extent where people are owning yeah. each other, but to the extent of people um, almost like, mm, jealousy is not the right word. It's like I, what I've seen in my lifetime, my short 23 years on earth, <laughs> is um, this hate that white people, especially in the South, have for Black people, because they see, they saw their parents living mm-hmm. the American dream, and they never got it. And so mm-hmm. it's not jealousy of Black people, they're jealous of their parents. Mm-hmm. And their parents promised them they go to college, they do this, they do that. They'll have white picket fence and 2.5 kids. And yeah. they didn't get that. And they're mm-hmm. very upset. And so instead of, reflecting on the world changed or the way I voted didn't support me they're taking it on black people in
0: yeah either micro or macro ways did you have the talk as a child did you understand oh, yeah. like okay because no. you are from the south so like like even though you didn't necessarily have because uh, that sentence is sitting with me like you know you're mixed just like that should be enough for your eight-year-old brain. You're just mixed, and then, and then now the young, like your generation, or the what? What are you like? What do they call you? Z's or are you? Yeah, Z. Your Z's. Okay. So like, I'm I'm an exennial, which is the cusp between Gen X and millennials. I'm definitely on the older side, so I'm more I'm more closer to the mentality of a of a Gen Xer. I'm more crotchety, I guess. I'll put it that way. <laughs> So for me, when I was growing up, to be a little Black means the Black community accepted you and you were just Black. It Mm -hmm. wasn't saying you weren't the other things you were mixed with. It was just Mm -hmm. saying you're still welcome here. So Mm -hmm. for me, experience is that they weren't denying my mixedness. They were accepting me as Black, which is two different things, two separate intentions. There's empathy in that to me. Uh, whereas what seems to be happening to your generation, the Gen Zers, is that mix is supposed to be its own thing, even though you may not share a mix with any other human on the planet. Or at least, even if you do share like the, the titles, black and white, or you know, or something like that. Like you might mm-hmm. share those those words. The, your, your access to the cultures and your heritages are going to be so different that mm-hmm. you may not meet another mixed person who even remotely has. Uh, the same deal as you, although you'll have Mm. some similar experiences, but they're still saying you're mixed or you're nothing. That's what you said. You said mixed or nothing. And that like fucking baffles me, like, because I don't have the, you know, because I had the different thing. And then I'm also seeing within a group of the mixed mixed folks from your generation also, and maybe it is because rejection from outer groups or whatever I don't know where they're like yeah we are mixed we're, and we're not don't call me black I don't identify as black don't call me white don't call me Asian whatever it is which again another thing that I don't I you know I don't have the experience of so into having mm-hmm. these conversations, I'm really trying to understand like what is the root of those types of things for mm-hmm. for that you, you know your age group and and um because otherwise I'm gonna age out of being able to have these conversations <laughs> unless I only talk to people my age but you're really interesting in the kind of people that I've had a chance to talk to, because you're not coming from that necessarily, like you're product of that generation, but you're not coming from that because you had a different kind of isolation. You weren't yeah. isolated because you were mixed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You just happened to be mixed and was living in isolation. Because mm-hmm. I used to get a lot of people on the show and I still kind of do, but less so than I did in the beginning where they would be like the one mixed person in their family or their one mixed person in their town. Mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: And so that's that's why they had to choose, you know, yeah. you had to decide what you were. And you don't have that. And I, I'm really trying to figure out how do you even get to a point that you have access to deciding your own identity? Because in one case, you're being dictated. This is what you get to call yourself. Mm-hmm. Mixed. But then you also have to exist as a Black family because you're in the South. So your, yep. your family has to prepare you to exist as a Black family.
1: And they didn't it was what was happening (laughs) it was a it was very confusing growing up um i remember having friends being like you're black and then i was like no i'm not and like i would like almost like take offense to it i remember Mm. oh my goodness i remember i told my mom this probably like three or four years ago because it was something that really stuck with me you know Mm -hmm. i was probably like five years old and i was playing soccer And I looked at my knees and I looked at the white little girl's knees Mm -hmm. and I was like, my knees aren't like theirs, they're like the black girl's knees. And there's like this darkness around the kneecap. Sure. And I looked at my knees and I was like, they're ashy. And I felt my self-esteem just like shot all the way Uh. down, like, because I was like already picking up on the ideas, the subliminal messages that being black was bad.
0: Right. Which is crazy because those white girls have ashy knees, too. You just can't tell. (laughs) Nobody tells you that part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. since you don't have that, you just feel othered in the Mm -hmm. moment. And Mm -hmm. nothing happened there except for the the subliminal stuff, the stuff that's been, you know, you've been picking up over time. That's, yeah, that's rough. Um, What does the talk sound like to a family that decides you're mixed but has to also prepare kind of when you you say the talk what what do you mean oh okay i'm sorry i guess i probably should have not made assumptions too oh i apologize for that um so the talk that we have in black families that prepare you for interacting with white people or interacting with oh there was no talk
1: i thought you meant the other like the birds and the bees talk and i was like
0: oh no 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 okay no um yeah no so (laughs) uh, the talk in terms of like being a black family and you Hmm. knowing that eventually you would go outside where your parents weren't going to be there and you might have a run-in with a police officer or a white person. Yeah. And yeah. how did you understand yourself in that position?
1: So with that in mind, that sense of the talk, there was not a conversation about how you were going to be perceived by mm. as Black by other people. There was no conversation like that. Our version of the talk was this... Um, For lack of a better word, like pre-manifestation of how they were how my parents were perceived and how they assumed I was gonna be perceived. And so they told me things like, you'll never fit in, you'll Mm. never fit in with the black people, you won't be black enough. And that didn't happen. It just was like. this preconceived idea that like fucked me over where they were like, you're not going to be black enough. You're not going to be white enough. And like, I had that limiting belief in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I carried that everywhere I went. And so it just wasn't even the black people or the white people in my community. It was me isolating myself.
0: Yeah. Cause it's going to be a lot easier for you to not choose rejection Mm than, than to just be rejected or, or give people a chance to decide if they're going to reject you yeah, or not. Exactly. When, um, so I guess I, because when you introduce yourself, I do tell you, like, could you include, you know, what your the way you identify is, do you actually identify with the word mixed? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't feel like there's a word that any other word that describes me mm-hmm. racially, other than maybe multiracial, that like, there's, like, not a word that describes me to the fullest extent.
0: Right, yeah. Do you feel now that you're, you're, you know, out on your own as an adult maneuvering and not having to follow under the mental dictation of of what you're supposed to be, do you feel that you are perceived as, as a mixed person or do you feel like you declare it
1: hmm. whether
0: someone's asking you or not?
1: That's a great question. So I... Feel like a lot of the time people just don't know what box to put me in. They look yeah. at me and they're like, mm, she might be Hispanic. She might be. <laughs> I've gotten a shit ton of like, like assumptions, like, oh, I thought you were Hawaiian. Like, <laughs> I've gotten yes. so many crazy assumptions, and it's just like, no, nope, I'm Brianna. <laughs> and so I do, I don't try to as much um, force the my racial identity into every conversation I did when I was in school, because I had that mindset of people are already going to other time. me.
0: Exactly. That's the time you're going to do it. You're searching for your identity. You're just yeah. going to put it out there. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense.
1: Yeah, my thought process was, um, people are already going to other me. So let me go ahead and other myself before they can and say that right. I mixed and that I was homeschooled before they find out and go, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I I really don't push it into conversations unless it comes up and I really don't try to like ask people what are you because I know how much that feels dehumanizing so I don't mm-hmm. ask people that <laughs> because I'm human. <laughs> and so I really don't put it into conversations. It does come up um in conversations sometimes and I do feel like since I haven't been pulled down and mm-hmm. like weighed down by these limiting beliefs of people are gonna other you, people are gonna hate you, people won't understand you. Since I have like pushed those out of my my home, my space, mm-hmm. I've been able to like magnetize like more mixed people to me, if that makes sense. Like I've yeah, been putting funny. more mixed spaces.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a good that's a good way of putting it. Like you so I always to tell people that I was black until I left my neighborhood that I grew up mm. in and then people started asking me what I was and that's when I realized I was mixed so that's that's when like the me verbalizing what my deal was it's not that I didn't understand that I had multiple ethnicities and multiple cultures but I grew up in a black space I was predominantly black and people weren't always asking me what I was it, and and to be fair when black folks ask me what I am they're not asking me I, in a way that says, I'm trying to other you. They literally ask, what are you mixed with? Yeah. Acknowledging hmm. that I'm also black. And I always get that. I like, there's, it's a rare, rare occasion in which someone says it in a gross way to me if they're black. Usually it's, what are you mixed with? Hmm. Just a, and it doesn't feel othering at all. It just feels like I'm acknowledging that you're black, but what's what else is the thing that I'm seeing? When of course mm-hmm. white people are, or other non, non-black people, I guess, ask me, it is in a way of trying to put me in some kind of category or box or whatever. And at that point, I decide depending on what I feel that they their energy is, I will decide if I'm going to actually tell you or if I'm going to educate you or if I'm going to charge you um, (laughs) to, to, you know, answer because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to give it up to everybody who doesn't want it. But yeah, but yeah, exactly. I'm a mixed race podcaster, and I have a show about mixed race, but I wouldn't talk about mixed raceness as much if monoracial people didn't ask me
1: Mm -hmm. you know like if
0: that wasn't happening I wouldn't have to talk about this that often that being said now that I am a mixed race podcaster and I find myself in mixed face mixed spaces a lot and even when I'm experiencing curiosity about like even out in the wild if I'm experiencing a curiosity about someone it's mostly because of that community search right like I'm Mm. like oh if we're mixed we're gonna have something you know something to jump us off into a conversation at least something to to connect us maybe and so like Mm -hmm. the way that I ask as a mixed person is putting forward my deal are you a are you like me are you mixed so that I'm the person who has the burden first like you know Mm -hmm. I'm a black and Japanese British American are you similar to me are you mixed with something you know things like that I try to ask a question in Mm -hmm. a way that one you don't have to answer if you don't want to but I'm going to put mine forward first and it's different than when I used to do it in high school. When I was doing it in high school mm. it was for validation, it was see, oh, yeah. see me as a black person, you know, see me as black. Well, I guess I want to say when I moved to a white school, because in uh, high school, I didn't move to a predominantly white area. And so I had to try to make sure the black kids knew who I was, you know, that was the way I tried to validate myself back then. Now it's not for validation. It's, it's literally just to, if I see someone that's even remotely giving me off signals that they might be mixed, I want to let them know if, you know, like, Hey, fellow mixed here. If, if you are like, Mm, like building yeah. a bridge like you don't yeah, have just to be a little alone bridge. you don't have to be alone and I think that I do that a lot more now because I've been doing the show for five years that in the first part of the show I was still probably asking people in a slightly uncomfortable way like are you mixed you know like maybe they weren't reading my enthusiasm as oh she's mm-hmm. also mixed," that she's looking for community or something like that you know maybe but now I try to put it in a way that's like we can join up in community if, if you're comfortable, <laughs> or like if you are one of one of us type of thing. One of us. So, when do you feel like you started to identify yourself as mixed versus mm-hmm. taking the dictation from your family that you were mixed?
1: Mm. I, I keep that saying I love that question. Which is a really good question.
0: question. <laughs> I've never had to ask that question before.
1: <laughs> when did I start identifying as mixed? before or instead of someone just telling me I was mixed yes Hmm. I would probably say it was sometime in college and I was really I was struggling like mentally really bad in college Mm -hmm. like I was depressed I was struggling with ideations I was like it was it was really bad and it was again didn't understand my purpose didn't under didn't have a real purpose beyond what I thought Mm -hmm. I in the way that I thought I could help the world in the way that People told me I could help the world and help Mm -hmm. other people because I knew from the from the youngest age, I knew I wanted to help people. And so I went to school for psychology. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that my mom had also gone to school years and years before I was born. Never was a conversation because we didn't talk about our parents' dreams. We just existed. (laughs) And so it was never a conversation that she also studied psychology. And it was so crazy that I had also chosen that major because I think there was a part of her that like, wanted to live vicariously through me and so Mm. it wasn't ever a conversation that like she never pushed me into that field or pushed me into that major but like I think there was like a part of her spiritually
0: part exactly yeah exactly
1: and so I went and studied psychology and I I got a bachelor's (laughs) I (laughs) I graduated last year Um, I survived but I kept calling myself like these self-deprecating names as like I'm a mutt Mm -hmm. instead of saying I'm mixed Mm
0: -hmm. or that
1: I am Frankenstein and I did feel kind of very awkward in my body well into college when people are still feeling embodied in their bodies and I felt very awkward and I would call myself Frankenstein because I would look at my body and I'd be like my torso is so short my legs are so long and Mm. this and that and this looks so weird and it was just because of my mom's a short person and my dad's a tall person so I got a short torso and, long legs. <laughs> and so it was just like a really weird time to like figure out um where I fit mm-hmm. and start to love those parts of me that I didn't love and that I hated um you know I, like it's uh generalization or stereotype that black people have big butts and so my mom would kind of like poke fun at it and I know it was lighthearted, but it did make me hate my butt I hated my yeah. butt I hated it in like such a weak, like with a vengeance <laughs> because mm-hmm. it was just like in the way it was knocking things over because especially when I went from like little butt preteen to mm-hmm. hormones go crazy and now I have an ass mm-hmm. <laughs> and So yeah. it's just really weird to go from that like yeah my budget is kind of big but then I got older and now it's like protruding <laughs> you know for lack <laughs> <I> of <hope laughs> a better word and I would use language like that protruding in mm-hmm. the way and mm-hmm. think about my body as this thing that is inhibiting my movement and inhibiting my life rather mm. than as this tool that is allowing me to live my life yeah and, and I think you, that's oh I, I never really answered your question but it's fun. but are been, you,
0: like now that you've gotten on this part are you at least yeah. getting away from that or are you oh, starting yeah, to definitely okay. okay yes
1: and well, it's been
0: <laughs> yeah of course I
1: just me being spiritual has helped me so much. It's not the way for everybody to understand. I have found this oneness with mm-hmm. everything. I'm not connected all the time. We get disconnected and dissociated. However, I do feel more love for myself because I love others and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so I can love someone's body shape if they have a similar one or if they have a different one it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. You know what I mean? I don't remember what I was going to say, but I remember what I was going to say before all of this. So (laughs) um, I do feel like there was this, like, like, I'm, I'm pretty pale. I've always known that I was like pale in the palest one in the family. It was very abundantly clear to me. Um, And so I almost had this like colorism within my family to the point where people I hadn't even seen in years were like, yeah, thank God for her.
0: I'm not the pale one anymore. (laughs) So, like, I was getting comments like that. Oh, you mean, so not colorism, you mean, like, um, the shame of light skin?
1: Yes. That, thank you. And so it was, like, um, really interesting to have that growing up, but then also face that in the real world. I've had comments from coworkers, or I was even out in the club, and I was dancing, and I was, like, having a good fucking time, drunk off my ass, (laughs) and then someone was like, you must be more white, and it just, like, pulled me out of the situation,
0: yeah, you can't have a fun time,
1: yeah, right, like, I was, like, what, what, (laughs) like, why are you thinking about that, like, we're, we're dancing, we're having a good time, and it almost, like, like, in the Black community, in the anything other than white community, you don't want to be white, and I think that I faced a lot of that and I understand it completely. It makes sense because the the white man is mm-hmm. the person who hurt you. You don't mm-hmm. want to be the the oppressor. You don't want to be the person who's hurting people. I don't know. I really faced a lot of like this, like, what's the word? Like it wasn't it wasn't racism. It wasn't that at all. I would never call that racism. It was just like this otherness
0: on top of being mixed well and- it's prejudice racism literally can only be whatever the dominant racial mm-hmm. classes and the oppression so like white people here or in europe and western world absolutely they can be racist but brown people can be prejudiced mm-hmm. they don't have the system of control in place asia it can be asians that are racist because the asians are the people that are in the power of control mm-hmm. the thing about um about whiteness in, in our spaces and Western, let's say Western spaces in particular, it's, it's a bunch of stuff is happening at that time. It, it, it is the memory, the like internal memory of what of what the oppression is, but it's the fact that they still benefit off of the oppression, whether or not they're still committing it doesn't matter because they're still mm-hmm. benefiting off of it. So yeah, definitely, what, what, what's happening psychologically to the brown person or black person who's experiencing it or trying to other someone else because of it, it is sort of like a knee jerk reaction to the pain. It's a, it's a way to process it. The other thing is that we're literally raised to other, like our mm-hmm. society is dictating that you're an individual. So you have to try to set yourself apart. You have to make people feel lesser than you so that you can rise to the top. And It's kind of the hurt people, hurt people thing, you know, Mm -hmm. whether or not they felt like they actively experienced stuff, you know, they're still, they're still going to lash out and hurt. But the other side of that is also that they are taught to idolize it. So you might Mm -hmm. get made fun of for maybe not dancing in a, you know, stereotypical, quote unquote, we can tell you're really black kind of way. But at the same time, you're also put up on a pedestal for being slightly lighter than your darker skin counterparts. Exactly. which is a different kind of hurt that's happening. Cause while it might benefit you and I'm doing quotes all the way through this thing, air quotes, While it might benefit you in those moments. It's also putting you in a bad position because Mm
1: -hmm. I didn't ask for
0: it. You didn't ask for it. And now you're being pitted against people. And Mm -hmm. that's how we get like the misinterpretation of, you know, how people behave and that's how, um, things where people do try to claim will reverse colorism which is it's a different thing that's happening to light yeah guys. definitely not, thank you for correcting me on type. that but either way it's a negative like either mm-hmm. way it's messing things up for for both you and and the other person and all of it at the end of the day is white supremacy because that we're just doing the work for them mm-hmm. and, and by them i mean the system you know not necessarily yeah. individuals um, folks, I understand that, but uh, they do also benefit from it, no matter what, so un- until they stop that cycle, you know, it's just going to be this way, and we mm-hmm. have to also start, stop intercommunity policing on behalf of white supremacy, which is exactly yeah. what happened to you in that moment, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sucks, because it's just another way for you to feel like, man, I just can't feel normal ever. Ever, exactly, like, I can't catch a break, like, I, I do
1: feel like, Like, I do recognize that I will never be um, looked at and be like, like, oh, she's a black girl. Like, no one's going to look at me and be like, she's a black
0: girl. I don't agree with that. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Uh, I mean, your experience is your experience. So I'm not, I'm not taking that away from you. But when I'm looking at you, I'm not seeing someone that it would surprise Like, even that you're calling yourself pale also seems incorrect to me because like, yes, you are lighter skin, but you're, you don't seem as pale to me, but you're, you know, who knows with the lighting situation You might be inside, <laughs> it might be a whole different story. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in your case, like I, I don't, where you are on the scale of your color and your family, you might, yes, be the palest and you might be the one they make fun of for it and things like that. I make fun of myself when I get really pale too. But when I see you, I'm also surprised, like, that's why I was asking the questions about like, how were you prepared to be a black family where you live? Because I see, even though I'm understanding, I'm seeing a mixed person, I'm seeing a person that is presenting as a black person. Mm. And I'm assuming you're going to be treated as a black person based off of the appearance I'm witnessing when you're out in public, even if they think you might be something else, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they're still like, yeah. there's still the, she might be mixed. But if I have to categorize her, I'm going to put her in this category. You know, mm. that, that's that's my presumption. So, um, again, I'm only witnessing you in a tiny little square box right now. I don't know what your life is like, but when to hear you, ta- this happens to me on the show all the time, to hear you talk about like seeing yourself as, you know, super pale or that you might not be perceived as Black. My my lens is different because I'm a mixed person. So I have to also make sure if I put my own context that I understand I'm more, willing to see all the different things that are mixed up in people that maybe than maybe like the average monoracial person is mm-hmm. but I, I get it with white Asians a lot where they'll come on and tell me that they're white passing and I'm looking at an Asian person but they're saying that people see them as white it's always confusing for my eyes
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 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 I know exactly like, you what know, you mean what your experience
0: yeah. is what you're experiencing I'm not I'm mm-hmm. not taking that away but I I don't not see, I guess what I'm saying is I don't not see a person that is at least mixed with Black, if not presenting as a Black person,
1: mm-hmm. that makes sense. That's very interesting that you say that, because in high school, the guidance counselor, um, they kind of chose my race for myself and my older brother. Okay. <laughs> they didn't even ask. It wasn't a conversation. They were just like, yeah, the older brother, he's he's a Black man we're going to write them down on his SATs, black, black, black. Mm-hmm. But for me, they looked at me and they're like, yeah, she's white. And really? so, yes. And so I get that every, like everywhere I go. I've and co-workers, like I straightened my hair one time and they're like, you look white. And I was like, mm.
0: okay, thanks. Yeah. Cause I, I can guess. tell, even though it's dim, I can tell the lighting is dim. I can tell you have textured hair. So like, that's the other thing. I'm like, really? Someone would see you as white but I also understand that you could stand next to a white person and someone would see you as black. And then you could stand next to a black, a, a more moderate, let's say monoracial person, not more, but a monoracial person. And uh, mm. you could probably be seen as white. Like that's how our ambiguity works. Like I look exactly like my father mm. who is black. He's mixed, but he's black. Mm-hmm. If I stood next to him, no one could question whether or not I'm walking around with that man's face. So
1: Mm -hmm. when i stand next to
0: him i could definitely be black even to a white person Mm -hmm. who would see me
1: yeah but if i'm standing
0: by myself a white person is not going to see me as black but a black Mm. person will you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah, i know exactly what you mean i mean we were ambiguous in our presentation a little bit well um i it's a spectrum you know like it. it just yeah definitely because it's, it's not just how you look when you're standing there. It's also what access that person who's looking at you has had to other people of color. Mm-hmm. Because I think that when I, especially when I meet on the show, when I meet um, white Asians who live in rural communities, people don't know that they're Asian. And I'm like, how do you not know? Because they clearly look Asian. Like the person will pop up, like they've been on my show, they pop up and I'm like, I'm looking at someone who's clearly a mixed Asian, but because mm-hmm. they don't see Asians they don't have any frame of reference mm. and then if she stood next to her uh, like her Asian family people would be like oh I didn't know you were Asian and <laughs> I would scream how do you not know but because my eye is more able Keen. to you know I not only am I a multi-generational mixed person I grew up in a military base with all kinds of interracial families mm. so I have an eye for it so I guess that's the other part too It's it's not just that you're standing there. It's mm-hmm. whatever context that person might have. And if you're not filling the quota for skin tone or whatever, mm-hmm. for their for what they experience. But yeah, I would never put you down as a white person on the I would literally have to turn around and be like, <laughs> you, need a chick? you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that because it, it's tying into something that has come up for me recently. Um, I got the download in Shadow Work that I was supposed to talk about how limiting beliefs have persisted and been passed down genetically and spiritually throughout our bloodlines, specifically in the African-American Black community. And that is such a scary idea to me. It like shakes me like with anxiety and fear because there I know, well, I've seen other creators who are mixed and darker than me get hate for talking about black issues.
0: Oh, I see.
1: And so it just like is so scary to me, I and see. I know it's yeah. something that needs to be talked about, especially within the spiritual community, which is whitewashed sometimes. It's a super whitewashed, yeah. yeah. And so we need to talk about these ideas and how not just what you see is being modeled, but also what you believe is also being modeled and being passed down throughout
0: generations. Right, absolutely. No, that's, that's, again, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about me coming from a generation which I, quote, got to be Black, even though I was mixed, where in your generation, you're literally not even given the option to pick one. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that in my generation, it was always, you know, rainbows and sunshine. There were times it was like pick one Mm -hmm. but that was to make the other person comfortable if I know how to categorize you I can move forward I'm gonna go ahead and let you pick one but you gotta pick one Mm -hmm. whereas now I think there's still a little bit of the pick one thing going on but for the most part it's like you don't get to enter Mm -hmm. because you're not gonna know what it's like and Mm -hmm. okay fair I'm not going to know exactly what it's like, but that actually yes. doesn't matter because you could be two dark skinned people mm-hmm. or two light skinned people and both each of you would have a different experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be based off of how you talk or how you present yourself, or it might not always be about your skin tone,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, necessarily. Right. And of course, with the uh, um, affluence, you end up getting granted access to whiteness that you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have you're, you know, regular ass person like us. Right. So that's, that's a thing that I, I, I've, I've, I've been witnessing it. I have seen it pop up, you know, where people are like, you can't access this practice because of your mix. And I mean, I go back to the thing that I always say, instead of less than we should have been raised with the idea that we were more, not more than other people, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: more, there are more things in us. So we have access to, to both culture. worlds. Yeah, yes, we have access exactly. to different foods. We have access to different dances. We have access mm-hmm. to different clothes, you know, all these kinds of things. And so, you know, you, and again, this is me talking from a person who does not come from a spiritual perspective whatsoever, but I would say that, like, you and your practice might be engaging. You know, I don't want to accidentally like say, what are you engaging with more? Which I might've kind of said in the beginning and I didn't really mean it like that. Yeah. It's, it's more like, are you getting access to mm. you know, mm-hmm. this site like, more than you had access to it before? Are you getting access to? Because you might be tapping into something and you feel like you're getting it, mm-hmm. you know, more on one side. That That's very, I am i don't know, maybe mm-hmm. that is possible. I don't, I don't yeah. know. But like to shut you out and think like, it's so crazy because- blood blood bloodline is such a intense thing across so many different cultures Mm -hmm. that like you would literally think like something's weird about my bloodline am I still not connected to that ancestor you know am I still not connected Mm. to that place do I not get to claim like I don't claim that I'm Gabonese because that is where my ancestors were taken from I know that Mm -hmm. they were taken from Gabon but I don't claim Gabonese because I don't have access to the culture the practices the language everything like that i don't mm-hmm. have access to it what i do have access to is what's happened since they were brought here
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: what i have more access to but i acknowledge that they exist but are you going to tell me that i i can't acknowledge my african ancestry
1: mm-hmm. because exactly. i can't
0: you know because i don't know it directly
1: yeah uh, yeah you know so it's so scary it's so scary to think that like like that i because of the weird way my genetics showed up. Like, for example, my um, my father's aunts and uncles. They are a rainbow of colors. Some are dark, dark, dark. And some are lighter than me. And it's just genetics. Like, I didn't get to choose.
0: You didn't get like, to choose. In the
1: Sims 4, like, my skin color. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I didn't choose right. this. I just was genetically, this is my makeup. And this is the way I look. I have, And it doesn't um... make me less... It, right, it, like you said,
0: yeah, that just happens, it's a genetic role, and we know that it happens, and it's so common in black families. That's why it's mm-hmm. weird that it's happening now that yeah. they're in, in Gen Z that there is the um, you're not black enough, or you're mm-hmm. not, you don't get to access. Because, in again, back in my generation, all of our families look like this. Mm. My yeah. granddad is darker than dark, we called him Purple because he was so black, he was purple. That is the <laughs> that is hilarious that they use in my family. You know, like that's what we say. He's so good, so black, he's purple. And then I have like red-headed, light-skinned family members. they mm-hmm. They're from the same family. They have two black parents, but something came out, you know, something mm-hmm. from the past showed up. Mm-hmm. So this thing that we don't get to uh, there is a an unfortunate bravery that has to happen in you deciding to to come out as mixed, I think. Um mm-hmm in, especially in a content creation space or, or something like that, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to be publicly entering a space in which you're going to declare, I am mixed, but I'm accessing this part of my culture or something like that. Mm-hmm. I do think there's an unfortunate bravery that has to happen because you do have to be prepared to get that rejection or lack of acceptance. And the thing is, you're going to keep getting that for as long as you... <sighs> How do I say this? Because it's not in a victim blaming kind of way, but like literally Mm -hmm. the second you no longer can hear it, Mm -hmm. they don't have anything to say. Yeah. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why I probably, you know, I said to you offline, like that I've been kind of lucky that I don't get a whole lot of negative things. Like I, you know, I have a few incidences that I can push to, but for the most part, I don't. And the the thing is, I might actually be getting more hate. (laughs) I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. hear it. You know, I don't hear it. I don't see it. And if I get an indication of it, I may choose to respond like one time. And then after mm-hmm. that, it's, just, it's a, it's a block. I'm protecting my peace, the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also knowing that I'm not going to be able to convince somebody. Otherwise, if they've decided mm-hmm. something about me, they've decided it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the work I've had to do on myself to not let the external impact me negatively but Mm -hmm. still be open to hearing if I'm invading a space, because I do think there is a way in which sometimes we can invade a space. Like I I'll say like, I, when I do my activism work or something, I'm not going to jump on stage and be the loudest voice at black lives matter or at stop Asian hate. Mm -hmm. But What I am going to do is join a black Asian solidarity thing, like the Blasian March. And I'm going to be able to speak there because Mm, I'm coming from both sides. But what I can do to service black lives matter is be present, be helpful, run errands, bring water, you know, like do something mm. to serve the community, but not be the loud voice there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm like lessening my blackness because I'm not doing that. I'm making yeah. room for the people that are going to be more, not making room, that's not even more, more. hurt. I'm, I'm yeah, the, there are people that are going to be more hurt by the things that are happening. And so mm. those are you need to hear from, you don't you don't need to, my take as the mixed person, you know, mm-hmm. you don't need in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, South Asian hate, the same type of thing. I'm not often seen as an Asian. And so it wouldn't make sense for me to jump on stage and talk about violence against Asians or something like that mm-hmm. at, at that location.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, at that I venue.
0: But I can do the same thing. I can be there. I can support. I can bring water. You know, I can serve the community. But at the Blasian March, I can talk about the intersection of Blackness and Asianness. And I can talk about how these communities actually are better together than apart, Mm -hmm. and that is a place that Mm -hmm. I can do my thing. In your practice, I imagine the same type of thing could be present. It's like, okay, yes, I am mixed. I might be coming at it from a different angle or something like that, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. deny My ancestry cannot be denied. Um, Mm -hmm. What I've learned from the people that came before me cannot be denied, Mm -hmm. and you can't tell me you, random person on the internet, or you, random person in the world, thinks you know more. You can't tell me I can't engage in a space in which was passed, you know, passed down to me from mm-hmm. my own. Ancestry. Now, would it make sense for you to enter a space like um, a Mexican spiritual practice or something like that? And just be like, no. I got it. You know, no, <laughs> it wouldn't, right? So like, you no. couldn't do that. You, But that's because you don't share that culture, that, that heritage, kind of know your place about it. Like it's not, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a problem in co- in closing some practices, I think there's absolutely some practices that should be closed, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: where we are as mixed people, gosh, I I just don't have the, like, I know the feeling I have behind it, but I just Mm -hmm. don't yet have the words. It's like, yes, there's other things going on in me, but I, I can still participate in this practice because my grandfather participated in this practice. My, you know, Mm -hmm. great-grandmother participated practice um you know things like that like i feel like you know there is something to i mean shit i was the kid that was te- teaching black kids in california about juneteenth because we didn't celebrate juneteenth mm. in california like now people know about juneteenth but when i was a kid people didn't know about juneteenth but i knew about juneteenth because my family was from mm-hmm. galveston enslaved so of the people that were enslaved mm-hmm. in galveston what they learned about um emancipation and juneteenth was born those are my ancestors. Those are the people who came to California. So they kept mm-hmm. they kept up the Juneteenth practice. They didn't deny me access to that. I'm their relative. I got to participate in it. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's what's different about mm-hmm. the time I grew up and the time you grew up. Unfortunately, I think it was intended to like make space for mixed folks. And that just got kind of bastardized a little bit to be like, no, you're your yeah. own thing now. what the fuck are you supposed to Mm -hmm. be able to do if you can't participate in this this practice and your other side could also say you can't participate then what the fuck are you going to do because you're your own thing you don't have Mm -hmm. anything you start traditions that's stupid i mean it's not like you start your own tradition but to be excluded (laughs) from (laughs) we we have like blown past time because we've had such a good conversation. So before Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of get out of here, one question I do like to ask all of my guests is uh, what do you love most about being mixed? I know we talk about some of the tough things. What's the (laughs) thing you love most?
1: Okay. Hmm. I think my favorite thing about being mixed is something that hasn't happened yet. Specifically. I am so excited to teach my kids and raise my kids in a space that is full of love and understanding what it means to be mixed and not just throwing that identity and that word at them. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited to raise my kids in that environment and raise them with love and understanding fully their identity and understanding their ancestry and their heritage fully. And I think that's my favorite part, but it Mm -hmm. hasn't happened yet, but I, I know that I will be able to pass that on. Mm-hmm.
0: that's great thank you for for joining me on the show do you want to share with people how they can find you if they if they want to
1: oh yeah um okay. so i go by brianna the blood witch i think i said that at the beginning uh you can find me that as that on instagram and on tiktok if you want to work with me check out my link tree i have different sessions going on that will incorporate blood ma- not blood magic blood the bloodline and uh blood shadow work and Working with the ancestors.
0: Okay. All right. Well, thank you again for joining me. And to everybody out there, don't forget, be your mixed-ass self. Militantly Mixed is a main Hustle Media podcast. Produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed.